and make some plays. Um, you know, smart, take with defense because we see the field pretty well um, and create a little bit Welcome to Triple Zeros, the anti-hot take sports show. I am your host, Josh Buck Halter. Be sure to follow me on Twitter, X, at Josh G. Buck. Uh, hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports. Website is clockersports.com. And the email address is, clock, is contact at clockersports.com. Um, follow the show on 3ZeroesPod uh, at the number 3Zeros and then pod uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, X, and Instagram. I'm gonna, it's going to be really impossible for me to not say Twitter. I'm just letting you know that right now. Um, so... Good show uh, planned out for you this week. Got to uh, talk to a few of the Bears players today in the locker room. I have a written article coming out later on tonight. Uh, This is being recorded on Wednesday. Uh, Just them talking about Las Vegas Raiders edge rusher Max Crosby and and how much of a of a challenge he presents. So um, be on the lookout for that. If you have not already seen that come across your feed, be sure to check out clockersports.com to find that. Of course, like, rate, review, share, subscribe, all those great things uh, to help the show grow. We are trying to uh, try to do this more consistently so that we can actually start seeing some uh, some return on that right there. I um, really would like to, to grow this, this platform because I think, you know, there's a lot of good stuff to hear and had it rolling at one point in time and just kind of lost its way. So I really want to get it back to where it was uh, with a strong following and, and uh, delivering you guys some of that great content that I, I feel like I'm bringing. So that being said, we'll get to some of that great content. And again, like I said, spoke to, uh, heard from head coach Matt Eberflus and quarterback Tyson Bajan and then got to speak with uh, the, the bulk of the offensive line, save for uh, starting center Cody Whitehair, who may or may not be the starting center this weekend. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, but also this episode, want to make sure that I get into a lot of the other stuff going on around the NFL and in the NBA because the NBA's preseason is coming to a close. So I want to make sure that I, more, most importantly, I think today we're going to cover the rankings in each conference and then uh, we'll get into some other stuff as we go along. And then maybe some couple of storylines as well today. But I definitely want to make sure that we hit on more than just the Bears because I've been really, really Bears heavy uh, trying to make sure that I have an outlet for all the content that I'm getting, all the all the, the, the great audio um, that the players have been gracious enough to uh, help you know me collect with their time. Uh, all the players are always great whenever I ask if there's any problem. You know, they're, they're pretty pretty polite about it. Like, you know, can we do video? Not do video this time. Can we just do it? Maybe not today. You know, they're really good about that kind of stuff. So I really uh, appreciate all the time they ever give to me. Little old me trying to get you guys to give me a sound bite. You know, so I, I do appreciate it. But Today's soundbite will be from uh, practice squad quarterback Trace McSorley, who was added uh, this week to the roster with quarterback Justin Fields dealing with a thumb injury. Uh, rookie undrafted free agent Tyson Bajant is actually slated to start uh, this week if Fields is officially unable to go. He is looking doubtful this, for for this week. Iberflus um, said he is dealing again with that with that uh, dislocated thumb, and Iberflus said that they have not ruled out surgery, but as of right now, um, it does not seem to be like they're they're planning it. So today he had his hand wrapped. Fields did. Um, they said Iberflus did that it will come down to his grip strength so we'll see how long it's usually a two to three week thing maybe with that if there's no damage so if that's the case then you know this could be a win-win for the bears where field they got to you know get an evaluation of the guy that they brought in in Beijing, even though he's an undrafted free agent is still their guy they get a chance to see him for an extended period of time with some preparation a full week fields gets to rest up his body and you know then if that doesn't work you can always go right back to him and say now nah, you know we were just this is always going to be his spot if, if Beijing performs well he does the the old brock purdy right then you got your quarterback. You, it doesn't. There's no. There's no way to lose this part. This portion. If you if you put this in a vacuum, right? This evaluation period that the Bears are about to have, they can't lose it. 
So even if, the, if they're, they're terrible, they can see how Bajent Bajent uh, handles it compared to how Fields handled it. Uh, if there's if there's a significant upswing for everybody, guess what? You might have uh, a tougher decision to make a couple of weeks from now. But as it stands, this is just a, a perfectly win-win situation. So um, again, though they did bring in Trace McStroller, remember Nate. Uh, Nathan Peterman is still on the roster, on the active roster. Uh, is he active roster? Maybe on practice squad. Either way it goes, he's still on the roster. And uh, so McSorley is is a, is a, a practice body, uh, but he is somebody that has a style similar to what the Fields and even Bajan play. Um, Bajan kind of put himself between a, a dual threat. He said he's not a dual threat, but he put himself between that and a pocket passer because he says he's not a pure pocket passer either. Um, I think McSorley is somewhere along those lines, maybe falls more into the 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 uh, dual threat category, more of a guy who tries to make some plays on the move. And he kind of spoke about that in the locker room today. And so um, I guess we'll start off with that first. Let's get that, you know, uh, on and popping. <laughs> That's right. So here is Bears practice squad quarterback Trace McSorley speaking to me today about what he brings to the team and then how it is kind of coming in as, at that position where you're supposed to be a leader, right? And and trying to integrate yourself at this point in what has been a trying season, but really just in general. One of the things that I bring is I'm dependable. You know, they're going to be able to give me then I can make some plays, be able to create with my, my legs and, um, you know, make all the throws in the field. So I think those are, you know, kind of the things that I've always kind of leaned myself in my game on, being able to make some plays, um, you know, smart, take with defense, because we see the field pretty well um, and create a little bit. What kind of challenges does it present as a quarterback who has to kind of you know, be a leader coming in as a new guy at this point in the season? Yeah, it's a little, it's a little tough. I and mean, obviously you coming in to this point, everything's already been established. So kind of trying to come in and, and find where you fit in, find your little niche that you can kind of come in and, you know, show your uh, show your value to the team. And then, you know, just getting to know guys in the locker room, being around them. Um, they want here to learn everybody's name, stuff like that. So I think, you know, those are the main things that, you know, coming in mid-year um, really are ways that you can help yourself be able to ingrain within the team and within the, uh, the organization. That was Bears uh, practice squad quarterback Trace McSorley speaking uh, in the locker room today after practice. First practice with the team. Uh, McSorley has three years in the NFL, two years with Baltimore, spent last season with the Arizona Cardinals, made six appearances with the Cardinals, even starting a game. He is 0-1 uh, as a starter in his career. Uh, but he's completed 48 of 93 passes. Uh, that's 51.6 completion, 502 yards, one touchdown, five interceptions. He'll fit right in. No, 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 no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's a good, he seemed like a good person. He seemed like a, uh, again, Everybody's gracious with their time, so I'm always appreciative of that. And I, I, I'm only kidding. Uh, but it's dire situation when we start bringing in quarterbacks. I'm just I, I, I know that they've been holding out hope for Fields, and it seems like they, even uh, said they were optimistic with where things are with his recovery right now. Uh, but you start adding in bodies at that position, it's only fair to wonder how long uh, it's going to be before he's actually back on the field. So, um, again, not too, too worried about it because I think that this is a win-win. And I think there's something else, too, that I, that the outside world may not give about Bears fans because you see a lot of these memes, especially in times like this, which is typically every season, uh, when the Bears get to losing and fan, I don't know how, how Bears fans can do it. First of all, fandom, fan is short for fanatic, so there's that. Uh, but also... There's no player, I think, that is held higher in higher regard than the team itself. So even if they criticize the team, if they're upset with how the team is functioning, um, no matter what it is, if the next move is the best move, fans are generally going to be for it, even if they didn't like how I got there. So I just I, I, I see that a lot, a lot of those takes uh, from outside Bears Nation and, and just wondering how could the Bears fans uh, still be fans after what you know the, the organization has essentially put them through uh, over this past Good God, forever <laughs> since 1985, essentially. But you know, uh, especially with these last few years, with how they've had so much overhaul and change and upheaval, with only one actual winning season to show for it, uh, it's it's kind of disheartening. So it's tough. But again, every it's the eternal hope, fan is short of for fanatics. So there's there's ra- uh, rationalism 
is out the door, right? That's just gone. But also that the eternal hope of, well, next time, the next time could be the right time. The next guy could be the guy. Um, to that, I always say you have to fix fundamental issues before you can start worrying about the players on the field because the players on the field have to be put in position to succeed. And I've, I've often questioned if that was um, happening uh, at Soldier Field and up at Hallis Hall. So we'll see if whatever happens, whatever unfolds the rest of this season goes in line with that. And they actually do, you know, try to do their best to foster uh, 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 an environment conducive to success for a young quarterback or if we see more of the same. That to that point, you know, people clamoring for a, a, a Caleb Williams who struggled this past weekend against Notre Dame, um, who are clamoring for a Drake May who somehow, despite being the number two over, uh, you know, prospect in the draft, I don't think is even close in terms of being a prospect as Caleb Williams. He's just you know quieter and he's got he's number two because by default at that point, when we see somebody else might slide into that that range and and take that spot from him. But my point here is. No matter who you put back there, and I tweeted this out, again, follow me on Twitter at Josh G. Buck. If you don't fix the offensive line, like really, if you don't have skill positions that are really all working in sync, if your offensive scheme is not uh, um, functioning, humming at a high level, guess what? You're going to look bad and things are going to go poorly. So I'm just not convinced that uh, even if it's not Fields, right? I'm, I'm a Fields fan, but again, like I just told you, if it means success for the Bears, then so be it. That's That's the most important thing. I don't know if... Um, I have a lot of faith that it wouldn't be the organization's fault and not Fields. I mean, players get ruined all the time. And who knows what would happen if he were to leave and go elsewhere? Um, but I just I haven't seen the evidence that this organization has has been able to foster that kind of environment to this point. Just haven't. It has not. It has not existed. Have not seen it. Uh, don't know if we will see it. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. But you know, it's it's not to say that they can't. It's just that they haven't. And so I understand fans skepticism to want to be to buy into it i understand uh feeling as though the the other shoe was just eventually going to drop because it typically does uh but again and this kind of applies to my 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 outlook on beijing going forward here you know you kind of take what happens and hope that it works out for the best because there's all that's all you can really do so um you know the bears are 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 in a, a very interesting spot right now and I think that, like I said, it's a win-win uh, evaluation window for the next week or two, maybe three to four, who knows how long. But the one thing that I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't try to dismiss, or I don't try to overlook, is that no matter what, you're going to have people who are going to support the decision to move on from fields or to stick with fields, whatever. You're going to people who deride the decision. I think there are people who were just there to, to troll. So I kind of try to sit myself in the back. And I know I've kind of taken a circuitous route to get to this, but I'm just, I'm just long, long story short. Um, the fandom, the fandom part, you put that to the side when you look at a team that that's constantly tried to uh, find the solution and has it. Uh, but then when you're evaluating, it's hard to not look at this and say that the bears are primed to be in the best situation possible because they can pick their next franchise quarterback. Right. But then, you have to come back to, well, if they keep doing things the way they've been doing, it won't matter. And so, like I said, long story short, to get back there, you can't let your fandom, you can't let your hope, you can't let the 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 rosy-eyed look forward into the future cloud the judgment that what we've seen in the past does not instill any type of confidence they could even figure it out. Even if they got the right guy, they might mess that up. That's so, you just hope. And then you hope, the other part about that is, let's say they do get the right guy, and they do start doing the things that you hoped that they would do for this guy. 
what does that say about how they felt about this guy? What, is that fair to that guy? That's just, you know, so there's there's a lot going into it, but I just, I'm, I'm a firm believer in if the things that were problematic before the current guy are a problem now with the current guy, well, guess what? They're going to be a problem for the next guy unless you figure out how to solve those. So this is getting everything in sync, and that's been my longest running issue with the Bears is that it's never on, on in sync. Even this one, even this time. Right. If if they move on from Justin Fields and Ryan Poles is in place to pick the quarterback, you've already you've you've now he's got his own quarterback. But it's impossible to think that that quarterback is now on a shorter timeline than Ryan Poles is and not to think that Poles is on a shorter time. His, he would have sped him up because he would have bargained and made his his or he would have have uh, not mortgaged his future because they already got the picks, but he will have made his decision at that position. You will have had to try two quarterbacks. I would assume that you would maybe have moved on from your head coach at that point in time, too. Right. Like you have to marry these things up so that they can if you're going to do first time. I don't and I would recommend that whatever they do, whatever they change decision making wise next time, don't do first time. But that's the that's neither here nor there. If you're going to do it, you got to just let these guys grow together because the GM that comes in, they almost always want to bring in their own coaches, players, that kind of stuff. And maybe he liked Justin beforehand and maybe that changed since after seeing him. Maybe they still do. Who knows? But I'm, I just feel like the the part of their constant cycle has been the constant un, inability to match those things up at the same time. If they figure that out, maybe they'll figure out some more stuff. I don't know. I don't know. That's just my hope, okay? I'm trying to be optimistic. Now, uh, a couple other news and notes from around the league. Um there's been a lot of injuries, man. The 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 uh, Los Angeles Rams are dealing with run, injuries to their running back room. Uh, both Kyron Williams and Ronnie Rivers are dealing with injuries. Ronnie Rivers is actually headed to IR, so that's something to keep an eye on because that's that's a a very thin group as it is, and the Rams are kind of toiling away. It's, it's weird for a recent Super Bowl champion to be uh, working as anonymously as the Rams seem to be, but they're just not stealing the headlines that they once were. Uh, I guess because they're, they're that. You know the whole shock and awe of how that how stacked they were is gone. They're not that stacked anymore, at least on paper. And so you kind of uh, just wonder, you know, where uh, where the buzz went. Really, you know, we did have a trade today. The Chiefs uh, received meet right received Miko Harbin from the New York Jets uh, in addition to a late round pick swap per Adam Schefter of ESPN. Uh, Hardman has familiarity with the Chiefs system. He was not overly productive there, but he was productive. I, I I'm not convinced this solves their wide receiver woes. I do think it helps, though, because, again, he's got familiarity. He's more of a veteran, more proven than the guys that they do have. Um, but he's he's a, a small MVS in the sense that I'm not sure that he's going to give you much more than some some gadget plays and some deep bombs. Right? I don't know if he's got the skill set to be a number one type or to be that kind of guy. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been buried in New York. And I know you had the Xavier Gibson, I believe his name is, the receiver who who stood out for the Jets. But again, if uh, Hardman was doing was 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 that, he might not be available. So I'm just kind of curious to see how it all works out. I'm a firm believer in Mahomes' ability to elevate somebody and make them play uh, maybe two to three uh, levels above their weight class. But <laughs> I just can't deny the fact that guys don't typically get traded when they're actually uh, you know helpful. If they're actually able to be used uh, on a team, and it's not like the Jets are are hungry for playmakers or need playmakers like that, but you just don't see teams getting rid of playmakers or somebody that they just signed this past offseason. Um, it's weird too, because the Chiefs could really be reuniting with a couple of other guys from last year, and Hardman and uh, edge rusher Frank Clark. We'll see if that ends up coming to fruition, but um, yeah, I just don't know if that solves the Chiefs' wide receiver woes. I feel like they need a little bit more. That's me. 
And I've been proven wrong before. Will be again. Won't be the last time. Or his first time won't be, won't be the last time. So, however that happens, cool. I just... I. If he was that before, you wouldn't let him go. You feel what I mean? He's he's almost redundant with Sky Moore. Um, Rasheed Rice is the best thing about this. So you just hope that he can kind of step up and continue his upward trajectory, especially with Justin Watson now. But it's just... I. The Chiefs are one of those teams, man, where the move that you want them to make, they probably don't make because they know that they need things elsewhere to help make the 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 central the the, the operation function at its peak or as high level as possible. But I just can't imagine, or I can't help but think what this offense would be like if they were to have that true number one wide receiver weapon, right? Especially as Kelsey gets onto the back nine of his career, you just feel like it's kind of a necessary mandatory thing. I don't know. I don't know. Um, we might, we should see. Quarterback Trevor Lawrence uh, take the field tomorrow for Thursday Night Football as the Jacksonville Jaguars take on. And I got to look this up because I've been I've been stumped with this one all day. Um, but Lawrence was dealing with, I believe, a knee strain, strain knee injury. Uh, and so if you've been paying attention to the league, this the the NFL has had down scoring this year. Protection has been down this year. Uh, quarterbacks are taking less uh, deep shots. It's the Saints, by the way, in Thursday Night Football. Uh, so. Part of it is, is is there's been injuries to a lot of the key guys, right? Burrow started slowly. Uh, Lawrence is now banged up, but we've seen well, Derek Carr was out. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's been banged up. When you think of it that way, you see, you think about, okay, there's, there's more backups playing. And then you think about the lack of, I talked about this a couple of episodes ago, the lack of preseason time for a lot of these things. Um, it's it's a very weird time in the league, man. It's it's very odd. I think um, that's why I'm not. I understand the Chiefs are not necessarily beating down the doors to go and secure a wide receiver. I just it's personal preference, you know. Uh, but they it it's it's not maybe not necessarily. It's not how many juggernauts juggernauts do you see in the league? How many? I, even the 49ers showed right. They just the, the Eagles showed right. The, the Dolphins, the Bills, like all the top teams have showed they have undeniable flaws. So if you're the Chiefs coming off of a Super Bowl and you still have 15 back there, how can you not feel as though you can do just enough with with the, with enough to get by? And I think that's what this trade shows. Now, if, we'll see if it works out. They got to think another week or two, two weeks to figure it out because this week eight is the, the deadline. Maybe this is just the first move. Late round, late round swap, it's a flyer. But I just can't help but think that they could do could stand to do a little bit more to help out Patrick Mahomes uh, as he tries to lead them back to the Super Bowl. So um, that was just you know, like I said, there's been some injuries. Uh, yeah, Mahomes is healthy. That's not that's not the injury. But I, the overall play in the league has been disappointing to me. And I know I talked about this already, so I don't want to go back too deep into it. But just the the uh, the lack of explosive plays. And again, like I just said, you know, they talked about how it's kind of down this year. It's weird how we got to this point, though, because the league was, it kind of just happened where you had the league spreading the ball out and, and quarterbacks passing and setting a third, but then defenses adjusted almost quietly to, okay, well, we're now just going to sit back. As a Bears fan, you hear a lot of the complaints about the cover two. Well, guess what's, what's not necessarily cover two, but deep coverage is, is prevalent across the league so that teams don't get beat over the top. It's, it's it's having an effect. I just I I'm wondering when because the the big topic of this off season and with I guess into the season with Jonathan Taylor was running backs, and with the shift, 
I'm just wondering if we start seeing a shift back towards the running backs and and what they can bring and how their skill sets can be. I just wonder. Just 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 a wonder. Also, uh, around the Bears trade rumors, um, I had to bring that up too. Jalen Johnson, you know, said he'd be a fool to not think about it, not know, not understand that he could be traded after what they did with the past couple of seasons last year, especially with Roquan and Robert uh, Robert Quinn. So it's it's it's. The league is moving. The year's moving fast. First and foremost, let me say that we're already in week seven, right? So they only have one more week. Excuse me. The the uh, the the Chiefs have one more week to make a decision after this one. So, uh, but yeah, the season's moving fast. We're already coming up on the trade deadline, and there aren't any juggernauts. Like I'm just trying to recap this, make sure I'm I'm, I'm on track here before I move on to the NBA stuff. Um, Aaron Rodgers still talking about Dr. Fauci. Um, we found out that Rodgers getting paid by by Pat McAfee and, and has made over seven figures. Which, by the way. I was maybe the amount, but I'm not surprised to see that Aaron Rodgers, a All Pro Hall of Fame quarterback, right? And and when when it comes time, he he'll probably make it. Is getting paid to make regular guest appearances on a cable talk show, sports talk show, um, one that needs some credibility because despite the fact that their host is a is is very much a former professional himself, many people view Pat McAfee as sort of the frat boy kind of um, non media media member, so. It's it's it adds the credibility of the show. Uh, McAfee says that he he openly acknowledged that he pays Rogers, um, but that's not surprising. You think these guys have access? They're just giving out access like this. Also, when you hear Rogers talk about, I, I kind of pointed out uh, he he invited Travis Kelsey to the pod, to the show to debate about the vaccine. You don't invite somebody somebody else to the show unless you know that you got that kind of pool. You know you got that kind of pool because you know that they're paying you to be there. <laughs> You're the guest of honor for real, for real. So, um, yeah, I, I, I like the Eagles, um, but they have these kind of moments where you, where you felt like, uh, this past week against the Jets, right? They, they were 12 and 0 before, uh, against the Jets before this past weekend, Robert, uh, solid talking big smack after that game. Check that out. Last word on, on sports worth about that. He said that he, uh, embarrassed all the quarterbacks that they faced this year. Wrote about that last word on sports on the chiefs. I'm not sure about embarrassed, but they played a tough game and they beat the Eagles. And again, the Eagles were one of the teams in the in the NFC that were just like, oh, well, mark them down for this and this and that. And it just goes to show you any given Sunday is more than just a movie, right? Just a saying. It's it's a, a real, real, real thing. And I think that a lot of these teams would be kind of foolish if they didn't uh if they didn't pay attention to that. Also, I had saw that NFL insider Greg, uh, uh, Dan Graziano suggested that the Chiefs should try to offer up with a third rounder for uh, Broncos wide receiver Jerry Judy. Ignoring divisional uh, rival, maybe they don't want to deal with all that stuff because he mentioned that as well. Um, but the recent back report between Judy and wide receiver Steve Smith, one of my favorite players of all time, uh, offensive lineman Mark Schlereth, has been kind of, uh, of of interesting if you're somebody who might be interested in kicking the tires. First of all, Smith flat out said that he would suggest that teams do not trade for, for Judy because he cannot take criticism. Um and to that point, Schlereth kind of alluded to that as well because Judy took offense to Schlereth calling out Judy and Sutton, Cortland Sutton, for their lack of, of effort and being, uh, being you know, I guess ready to go all the time and being uh, giving, their, again, maximum effort. Well, Judy clapped back at, at, at Schlereth. Schlereth, you know, called him out for having a three, something like that for 14 yards, catch three catch for 14-yard day against the Chiefs. Like, there's Jared Judy's focus. It seems to be elsewhere other than proving the doubt is wrong on the field. That's the only place you can go, that you're going to do it. Talking is not going to help. 
Um, again, you switch locations, you switch the change of scenery there, right? You get him into Kansas City with Mahomes, maybe that changes. But it's got to be questions that you ask if you are even considering it. Like, man, if this dude is really being bristling like this, the players, one who played the position in Steve Smith and was very, very good at it, mind you, right? Okay, and then uh, five to, was five-time Pro Bowler? Five-time Five-time Pro Bowl and two-time Super Bowl champion, uh, Mark Schlereth, 12-year veteran. I know that for damn sure, right? <laughs> 12-year veteran, former Bronco, former former Hog of the, of the Washington, uh, well, formerly Washington Red, Redskins, now the Commanders. I just don't know who can say something then if it's not those people. Because we see athletes all the time saying, I don't have, I don't respect these journalists. They don't have, they didn't play the game. They don't have credit. Okay, these guys played. And you're still bristling. New age, man. It's the new age of athletes. I just don't know who else, who else is going to say something. Um, uh, uh, cult hero at your position and somebody from your organization's past that is, is pretty, pretty, you know, highly viewed. Who else is going to say something? That's tough, man. That's tough. And I, I hope that Judy figures it out and he, he gets uh, the, the game starts coming to him a little bit easier. Don't know if that'll be indifferent with the way the off that, that stuff's going around, but you know, we'll see. We will see. Um, any other NFL news that I want to touch on before we switch over? I know I'm not really sure. Uh, oh, the the CJ Stroud, just want to throw this note out there. Big fan of CJ Stroud's game. Hope that he is uh, the one that goes ahead and bucks the trend for Ohio State quarterbacks. If it's not Fields when he comes back from his thumb injury, whatever the case may be, uh, I am a fan of all that they have going on with between Stroud and uh, D'Amico Ryans down there. Uh, and I like I like the Will Anderson pick as well in the draft. So big fan of what the Texans got going on, at least in those three spots. Hopefully if they can keep it up. Um, I like success stories like that. Uh, what else? Dak Prescott and the Cowboys got a big win, tough win. I think they needed that kind of win. Um, we talk about them uh, not being the team that they build themselves as, but being that team comes with games like that as well. It's any given Sunday. I just talked about it. Just talked about it. <laughs> uh, any given Sunday in the NFL. So for the for uh, the Cowboys to kind of not struggle, but you know go up against the Chargers team and, and have to play that kind of a game, I think that's what you need. And you got to prove. You got to you know test your metal you gotta kind of uh will your way to it sometimes and they did it with a lot of defensive help that's fine that's perfectly fine you need some luck that's fine those kind of wins though are the things that you can you can draw back on when it is going rough and you can say hey we've we pulled games like this out before we've we've made it through this before that's just my brief thought there i, I if there's anything else i'll probably try to touch on before the end of the show but i i I think the the biggest thing that we have with the nba going on or the nfl right now going on is the trade deadline coming up Who's going to be moved? Where the Bears, again, like I said, have several candidates. Darnell Mooney, wide receiver, a cornerback, Jalen Johnson. Cody Whitehair could be a guy who gets moved. You never know. Eddie Jackson could be a guy. who gets, You never know. Um, elsewhere around the league, man, you still have uh, uh, Chandler Jones floating out there. Hopefully he gets his help, health, uh, mental health correct. He seemed like he was going a little bit off the rails. It's it's, it's the pressure of these on these athletes, I think, might be something that we need to examine, too, because between Chandler Jones and Kai, uh, Kai Jones... Okay, uh, in the NBA, there seems to be an uptick in these kind of uh, outbursts from players, and I hope that everybody just gets the help that they need. And that's actually a good way for us to transition over into the NBA side. I don't have many much more uh, updates on Kai Jones' situation. I do want to say something, though. Uh, Austin Rivers kind of talked about the Hornets needing to put uh, some more professional players, more professional pieces around LaMelo Ball uh, so that he can thrive. And Miles Bridges took some offense to that, only for Miles Bridges to then turn around and get himself back in trouble. Now, 
We don't know. I, I did not look any further into it. I just find that funny in and of itself because how are you, how dare you question him and then go prove him right right afterwards? Like that, that's, that's, that's got to be foot directly to mouth. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. I, that's just, that struck me as both funny, odd, and interesting because again, you didn't have to say anything and you did. And then you did and let yourself get popped again for some dumb stuff. That's, that seems like a bad idea. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Um, Otherwise, let's start. Let's go through these 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 conference rankings because, like I said, I already feel like um, I, I touched on it briefly, but I want to actually get into um, where I see all these teams kind of shaking out once the season actually gets going. So we'll start off with the Western Conference because that's where the champions reside, the Denver Nuggets. I do not know if the Nuggets will finish as the top seed in the Western Conference, only because I'm not sure if they'll care as much. They're coming off of an extended run last year. Uh, they've already won it, and they know that the real test is being healthy and available for the pre po- the postseason rather and uh so i could see a team like uh maybe la if they get off to a hot start i could see phoenix taking that top spot uh even though they're gonna deal with a lot of injuries anyway and player maintenance they have so many guys that are stars and they could probably get away with resting one star each night throughout the week and being able to survive uh that way going forward so i don't know we'll see uh those two contend for it maybe even sacramento people are not talking about enough about sacramento and how um you know, I would only expect them to build and maybe even implement some more defensive principles into what they did with that offense last year. Mike Brown is still the head coach and he is a defensive defensive guy at heart. So don't be surprised there. Um, if you see, uh, uh, the, the Kings do even better than last year because they are able to now shift that focus from implementing an offense and, and building on the offense to now doing the same thing on the defensive side of the ball. We'll see. They, they don't necessarily have all the pieces in place to do, it, but they got a lot of them. And so I could see again, that kind of a shift happening. So we'll go, I'll give, I'll give Phoenix. Oh, man, I don't really want to give Phoenix a top spot. I'm not going to lie to you. If I'm going to give Phoenix or LA a top spot, I might as well keep Denver up there. Oh, and I don't like that. I just don't like it. It doesn't feel like they're going to – I don't know if they're going to do it, but we'll give it to them because I, just, I can't put anybody above them at this point. And I think that's probably uh, the best way to look at it. But then right behind them, I'm going to go with uh, Phoenix and LA. And I say that because I think uh, the way that Phoenix will be able to rest, players will be a little bit less burdensome than the way the Lakers will be able to do it. So I can see the Lakers uh, not getting that high of a building. But I do bidding that high of a – Spot. I don't know what word, what word I was looking for there, but we'll go with high of a spot. Um, yeah, we're going to go with Denver. We're going to go with Phoenix. We're going to go with LA, and they probably won't shake out like that at all. But these are my power rankings slash standings, how that I, that way I see it shaking out. Oh, I'm sorry. Denver, Sacramento, uh, and then we'll go with the Phoenix and LA. If you want to flip those two, that's fine by me, but that's where I see that shaking out. Uh, and then we're going to go with Dallas, Golden State, right? Yeah, Denver, Sacramento. Phoenix, L.A., Lakers, uh, Dallas, Golden State Warriors, because they're going to be without Draymond Green for, I believe, the start of the season. No, he's back practicing. Maybe they won't miss him too much at all, but I, I, they're older. I, I just feel like they're not. They're the same kind of way. They kind of just want to get to the postseason healthy more than they want to, you know, earn that top seed like a lot of the young and up-and-coming teams might. That's why I say Sacramento could have a real chance to go up and do it, because they're still that team that's still hungry for that kind of thing. Um, okay, one more time from the top. We're going to run straight through. Denver. Sacramento, uh, Phoenix, Lakers, uh, then you got the Mavericks, Warriors, and then we get a little interesting because I could see it being the Clippers, right? That would be the expectation because the Clippers have those guys. I don't think those guys are going to be healthy again. They have not been, so they give me no reason to believe that they will be. I'm going to put Dallas there and then New Orleans, and then we'll go the Clippers because I just don't see it happening. So, one more time because I got to make sure I got this all right in my head. <laughs> Denver, Sacramento, Phoenix, 
the Lakers, the Mavericks, the Warriors, the Timberwolves, the Pelicans. That's your eight right there, okay? That's your eight teams. You're already too deep into the, the playing tournament. And then after that, Memphis, and that, they could probably be higher. I don't know how how Jaws being out is going to affect them long term. They don't have Tyus Jones anymore, so we'll see how that goes. But I'm going to put Memphis at the bottom right there. They're going to be nine. I know that's probably way too low, and I'm going to be ridiculed for it. I don't care. That's where they are right now. That's where they are right now uh, until we see it happen. I don't expect them to be that low, to be honest with you. Uh, but that's where gonna, that's where they're going to slide in now because I like all those other teams better. Um for now, when Ja comes back, man, I can see them skyrocketing and maybe even overtaking the team like the Warriors. Because I just think the Warriors are going to have to be, they're going to have to walk a fine line this season. Um, they got rid of some of that. We'll see. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, and then the bottom of the bottom, um, in no particular order, will be, and Thunder will be right there too. I'm sorry. The Thunder will also be pushing for a play-in spot uh, that could give some of those back-end teams a bit of a, uh, an issue. But the Spurs, the Utah Jazz, I think, will try to give a fight. But I think they'll still kind of fade a little bit as the time, uh, as the, the rest of the season goes on. We'll see. We'll see about that, but I'm just not sure that there's enough there quite yet to push in what is obviously a stacked Western Conference because I haven't even talked about um, the Houston Rockets who revamped their their roster this offseason. Uh, the Spurs should be competitive. They won't be good, but they should be competitive this year um, in, in terms of game to game uh, because of Victor Wimbanyama and the circus that's going to be fo- uh, following around him. So that's my Western Conference. Then you got Portland. Portland's going to be probably the worst team in the, uh, at least in the West. Maybe not the league, but definitely in the Western Conference because they're in year one of a rebuild. So don't be surprised by that. Um, Eastern Conference, and I'm going to do this a little bit quicker. And then I'm also going to try to, uh, I'll, I'll try to tweet these out before the regular season too, because I want to make sure that I have them right <laughs> and have them uh, in, in, in written form. So for easy reference, instead of having to come back and find this in here. Uh, and then maybe let's, let's do one more, one more quick rundown of the West. Denver, Sacramento, Phoenix, LAL, that's the Lakers. Uh, Dallas, Golden State, Minnesota, New Orleans, OKC, I switched it. Um, and then you can kind of uh, work out the rest of there. Memphis. OKC and Memphis are the two that are tougher, toughest for me to kind of uh, gauge. Because Memphis, like I said, without Jai. And then OKC is still a young team. They, they can challenge. They're going to be good. How good? We just don't know yet. So those are my two wild card teams that, that both could rise much higher. That's why they're down there now. I'm just not sure about them. I'll, that's how I'll phrase that. They're, I'm not sure where they are just yet. Couple games, then we'll probably revisit this, and I can maybe bump them both up, one or both of them up, uh, substantially even, maybe. So we'll see. Uh, in the Eastern Conference, though, we already know, man, the two blockbuster trades that happened: Damian Lillard and the uh, and the Drew Holiday going to the Boston Celtics. Damian Lillard went to the Milwaukee Bucks. I told you that when that happened, that those are the top two teams. Uh, I don't care how what order you have them in. I would probably still go with Boston because I feel like they're deeper uh, than Milwaukee is. Milwaukee is also older, and you know, with, uh, with age comes injuries, and and those two guys have dealt with injuries, uh, especially Lillard playing what? Oh my gosh, it was like twenty some games last season. So um, I'm not, I'm not gonna say that the the Bucks have the clear and obvious advantage here, but I do think that they could they could they could easily take that top spot, especially if things don't click uh for Boston on the court as we expect them to though. I don't expect that to be the case. I expect Boston to be able to, to man, uh, manage whatever they have going on with the addition of Przingis, Derek White in the starting lineup now. Um I think that that'll, that'll all be fine, but I just, you know, I could see a world where Drew Holiday or I'm sorry, where Damian Lillard helps boost up the Bucks a little bit higher than Drew Holiday added into what the Celtics already had going boost them. I don't think either one is bad. And again, those are my top two teams in the Eastern Conference. The rest of the way is a little tricky because you could easily go Philly if James Harden is bought in. Doesn't sound like he has been, though, so we can't put them there. New York, I don't trust that, right? You have um, 
a bunch of, of middling teams after that. Toronto. Miami's going to be number three. Uh, and But here's the thing. Will they be number three in the regular season? Or are they just the third best team in the Eastern Conference? Which is two different arguments because as we saw last year when they went from 8th seed to the NBA Finals, they don't necessarily put all the stock into the regular season. So I'm not going to necessarily say that, oh, you know, they're going to go ahead and, and boop, bop, bing, they're good. That might not be the case. Uh, but they're going to be the third best team in the, in the East when it's all said and done. I, I, don't, I don't have anything to back that up. They had a bad offseason. They missed out on their trade talk. They let two starters go or two potential starters go in, in Max Struess and Gabe Vincent. And I'm still not going to be able to put them lower than third because I just don't have enough faith in what Philly is doing, enough faith in what the Knicks are. I'm just, I, the Knicks seem to have, have just accepted that they're like the fifth best team in the East when, they're, when everything breaks right. I, I, whatever. Uh, Toronto is in a bit of a, a, a transitional period that can go either way still, right? Uh, and then you have the Atlanta Hawks, man, who I think are going to be a top five seed as long as health permits and maybe even better if they can get things to click the way they need to be. This is a talented group that went to the Eastern Conference Finals uh, two, two, three years ago at this point, at the end of the 2020-2021 season. Um, I'm a little bit partial because I cover them every day, but at the same time, I've also seen this team, and, and I'm, I'm, you guys know I'm not somebody that's going to just let the bias kick in. I'm going to tell you what it is. And what it is is this is a talented team that just has been missing something. Is that something Quinn Snyder? I don't know. We'll find out this year. I think we'll find out rather soon. I think they think it is. And that's, part of, that's a big part of the battle is having that faith, right? So I think Atlanta challenges for a top five seed. That New York Philly, Atlanta triumvirate is going to be something to keep an eye on. And then Cleveland as well. Although Cleveland, man, they better do something this year because Donovan Mitchell's not signing the extension. There's the rumors that he's bouncing, ready to bounce at, at the first chance. Like, dude, y'all got to do something. So, okay, I'll put four teams in that group. New York, Philly, uh, Atlanta, and you got Cleveland. If everybody's healthy, Philly's probably still the top team of that group. Um, I do not have enough faith in the Knicks over a series, a seven-game series. So they're going to be at best fourth, and then you got, uh, and then you got the Toronto's in the world. Oh man, the East is going to be jumbled up too. <laughs> Looking at it, man, it's going to be jumbled up too. You got Boston, you got Milwaukee, you got Miami. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, right? And even eight. You're going to have. Philly somewhere, you're going to have New York somewhere, Atlanta somewhere, Cleveland somewhere, Toronto somewhere. We haven't even talked about the up-and-coming team like, a, like an Indiana Pacers, right? A team that's insisting upon itself in the Chicago Bulls, right? Like, what about Detroit? What if they get to be a little tougher than we thought because they got Cade back this year? Brooklyn was, wait, they clung to it, but they were a playoff team last year. This is going to be an interesting season, and so I, 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 I'm going to leave the bottom of that a little bit blank. I don't know what the nine teams are going to be, but I'll say the top is, is set. It's Boston, Milwaukee, Miami. I don't care what Miami's regular season record is at the end. They're the third best team in the conference at the, at the end of the day when all is said and done, when, when the rubber meets the road. After that, I'll give you a cluster. <laughs> we got it because the East is, is tough with how fluid things kind of still are. Um, between hard and the Bulls might do something, that, that kind of stuff. Uh, but four, five, six, seven, and eight, you got, again, Philly, New York, Atlanta, Cleveland, and Toronto. Right under that, though, you still have the Chicago's, the Brooklyn's, the Indiana's. That's 11 teams. One of those teams is not going to make it. And there's still four more teams. <laughs> it's it's going to be an interesting season. I'm looking forward to it. And we got about another week until we get kicked off and uh, and, and things, the games count for real. 
I'm excited about it. I hope you are too, man. And uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Triple Zeros. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Joshy Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports, website Clocker Sports, and the email address is contact at clockersports.com. And of course, follow the show on Facebook, uh, on X, Twitter, and Instagram at Clocker Sports. Uh, three Zeros Pod is the show, uh, and myself, Josh G. Buck. And of course, read the stuff. Last Road on Pro Football, uh, heavy on sports, that's Lakers and Bulls, uh, and Soaring Down South. And of course, you can read everything at clockersports.com. Until the very next time. Make some plays.